the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Say, hey Johnny, it's a huge weekend. We got the Braves coming to town as the Phils fight for a playoff spot. We got the Birds facing the red-headed stepchild, and Ben Simmons is running his loud, big fucking mouth again. Oh, baby, it's going to be a good one. What's up, everybody? This is the Ron and John Show. It's Thursday evening. I'm Ron. I'm John, man. It's week or day two, episode two. Getting getting right back into it in the same week. Um, Ron, how's your week going? Week's going well, you know, sipping on some Moscato. It's Thursday. Um, you just can't beat it. I haven't talked to everybody since Monday night. Birds game. Phenomenal outing. Um one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen by the Eagles. So that set my week off right, and now we're just ripping through, and it's almost Friday. Dude, that um, that Darius Slay performance was one of the best quarter cornerback games I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, he was going against arguably the best receiver in the game in Justin Jefferson, and he made him look like a, a college player. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Well, yeah, and we talked about kind of the keys to the game um, on Monday, and they all came true, right? We said that they were going to come out in a soft zone uh, on defense, and they were going to force Hurts to have to sit in the pocket and make accurate throws on time. He did that. Um, We talked, and you talked about the front seven, right, and the importance of our defensive line getting and hitting home which they did, including Fletcher Cox with that big strip sack. Um, and then we talked about the matchup of the cornerbacks against those wide receivers. So uh, it was it was big time, big, big, big time. Um, and one thing I thought that was interesting, John, being there, you know, we were walking through the parking lot. Wasn't a ton of, like, drinking. There wasn't a ton of, like, kind of pompous activity going on outside of the stadium. It was a very focused fan base, and I thought it was interesting. Like, there wasn't a ton of college kids there. It was actually a ton of either young adults or parents that were at the game. And it was, like, this level of focus on the task at hand, which was to win the football game. Um, And so walking in the stadium – Half the stadium was full 50 minutes before the game. Like when the team was coming out, the whole stadium was full. There was no late arriving drunks. Um, And I thought everybody conserved their energy very well and put it all towards focusing on the football game, which I think is a little bit of a change for for the Eagles fans and shows that they think this isn't just going to be kind of a festivity to just get drunk in the parking lot, but actually focus on winning football. Um, and it was it was a neat uh, neat environment to be a part of. Yeah, man, it was just it was domination on all fronts. The the crowd was into it. I mean, I said yesterday that that because these are these are two evenly matched teams that we're going to need a lot of of crowd involvement in order to pull the win out. It turns out we didn't, but we had it was there if we needed it. Um, I want to go over a couple of the stats from from that game. Um, pretty remarkable. And, and, and going back to what you said about how we kind of predicted this in what we said the keys to the game were going to be. Um, 
I said we need to shut down Dalvin Cook as a rusher. You know how many rushing yards he had on uh, on Monday, Aust? Nah, how many? What What do you think if you were to give a guess based on based on you watching the game? How many rushing yards do you think he had? Now I left with eight minutes to go in the game. We wanted to head over to Xfinity, so based on what I saw, assuming they didn't have any runs after that, five. <laughs> That's a good guess. He had seventeen total yards on the ground. Now, did he get a run that, at the end of the game? Did they? Hand I'm not sure. He had he had he had six total rushes for 17 yards. His longest run was six yards, um, wow. and that was that was the same amount of rushing yards as Jalen Rager had. Jalen Rager had one carry for 17 yards. Kirk Cousins was their leading rusher. He had 20 yards rushing. So that was all they were able to do on the ground. Um, wow. And I mean, it just goes to show you too. They had eight running attempts the entire game with running backs. Um, so they knew from, from the first drive that our defensive front was, was not going to let them get a yard. Um, and it, it, we really put the pressure on Kirk to throw the ball who was 27 for 46, one touchdown and three picks. I mean, like that's, those are, I hate to say it, but those are Carson Wentz numbers right there yeah and i think the game plan this week you know as you as you touch on that for for sunday the game plan's got to be the same in my opinion similar type of quarterbacks in that when they feel pressure and they feel rushed that's when you can force them into those bad mistakes um on top of that they have no one the likes of uh uh justin jefferson now, they have a couple of solid receivers. Jahan Dotson is a solid receiver. Um, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, solid receiver. They're good. But if we can man, if we can run cover zero and blitz Kirk Cousins with uh, Justin Jefferson, there's no reason we can't do that with this team. So yeah. we have to make sure we're being consistent, applying pressure, forcing them uh, into some bad throws. Now, the one thing that I think is going to be key – is that we have to have Hassan Reddick get pressure on the quarterback. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. He hasn't done anything. That was one of the that was one of the things I was looking for going into this week. Cause I'm thinking, oh, like he's got Kirk Cousins this week. This is a guy that you're gonna want to put on his ass. And he he's been pretty quiet. I mean, I'm not sure like coming from someone who like played defensive line, there are some games where like the game plan you're not set up to to be the guy to have a lot of sacks. I mean He's a linebacker too, so it's like he's playing coverage sometimes. He's rushing sometimes, um, but I definitely think he needs to. If he wants to survive in Philly, he's got to put his money where his mouth is and and, and put some numbers on the board. You know, um, he is a Philly guy. He knows that. Uh, I think he's he's going to come alive as the season goes on. Um, but something we talked about before, a guy on the defense who did step up, who had kind of a lackluster performance in Week One, was Fletcher Cox. Um, I mean, he he commanded the interior of that offensive line the entire game. And it was, it was reminiscent of a younger, um, more, more agile Fletcher Cox. Um, would, and I know this was a guy that concerned you after week one. What'd you think of his performance? No, I thought it was great. And I thought a big key in that was in the first half, they did a better job of getting him off the field um, and allowing him to be fresh in the second half to attack, pin his ears back, and get to the quarterback. And so Jordan Davis, uh, almost all of his snaps were in the first half. 
And so one thing that I saw was Fletcher Cox struggled last week against the run with DeAndre Swift and he was getting fatigued and it wasn't allowing him to get to the quarterback on passing down. So they went a little bit more with Jordan Davis and then brought Fletch in heavy in the second half. And that's when he got the strip sack was supplying a lot of pressure up the middle. And that's going to be a strong suit for the Eagles going forward. So I was really happy the way they used him and also that he was able to win his one-on-one battles because um, you know, at this point in his career, he's not getting doubled as much. He's getting a lot more opportunities to face these guards one-on-one. Um, and so the more he can start winning those battles, that's really going to help out Hassan Reddick when he's lined up next to him. Yeah. Yeah. I got a hot take for you, Austin, about, um, about something that could possibly happen in the future for the Eagles. I mean, I was just, there was a lot of great highlights in that game that I could touch on, but I said it in the beginning and I'll say it again, Darius Slay was just, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. My jaw was on the floor watching him play. Um, do you think that he could potentially be a defensive player of the year? Or do you think the system is too rigged towards front seven guys, the guys who rush the passer? Um, no, I, I think he does have a chance. I think this is another great opportunity. Look, they, they have a weak schedule, the Eagles, this year. And so with that comes some quarterbacks who either stink – or in the case of Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz are prone to turnovers. So, you know, he has two interceptions already. I think that's going to be the big number, how many picks he can get in the season. Um, if he can put two more up here and have four after three weeks, he's going to be in a good position. He gets double digit picks. I think he's probably the defensive player yeah. of the year. It's, it's that simple. Um, however, I think the odds are higher based on the schedule. What I've seen so far that, uh, that Jalen Hurts could be a finalist for the most valuable player because we know how, yeah. how that how the league is very, very tailored towards quarterbacks with that award. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on the Eagles roster, they're going to have a chance to have a really good season. Um, and yeah. based on the competition they're playing and the level that Hurts has taken his game to, he's going to be pretty dynamic both throwing and running the football. So I think if you have two bets, like you're saying, put in two future bets, Jalen Hurts, MVP, mm-hmm. Darius Lee, defensive player of year. I think that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen actually has a better chance than Darius just because I think that Slay is a guy that's been kind of undervalued his entire career. And he's also at, at the cornerback position where he, he might – like a great game for him would be they don't throw the ball his way because he's just clamps, right? So it's, it's kind of hard to quantify – how great a corner is with statistics. And, you know, like these, these guys who do analytics are all about statistics, but I'm glad you brought up Jalen Hurts because now we get to talk about how unbelievable our offense played in this game this week. Jalen Hurts the other night, 26 for 31, almost he, he, he threw five incomplete passes the entire game. He threw for 333 yards, one touchdown and one pick. Um, he also rushed the ball 11 times for 57 yards. 26-yard long run, and two of those runs were touchdowns. Um, this kind of this kind of productivity we're getting from this guy. Do you think that he's he's going he's he's almost running running the train too hot in in the early days, and he's going to blow out of steam, or do you think he can keep up this level of play for 18 weeks? Because it's I mean it's a long season, and if he's running for two touchdowns a game as a quarterback, you got to assume he's going to get fatigued. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point. I think the big piece is that he has so much talent around him that 
he's going to be able to have moments and opportunities to take, take kind of plays off um, or drives off. I felt like, honestly, they didn't put any pressure on him in the second half. So a lot of the mm-hmm. production was the first half. Second half of the football game, they were handing the ball off a lot. It was a lot of simple short passes. You know, if they had third down, they'd be willing to throw that ball underneath and just punt to the other team. The offense mm-hmm. kind of flowed in a manner that, hey, be the guy for a half for us. Let's get this big lead and then just kind of coast to the finish line a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think if it was, if it felt like it had to be on his back for four quarters, like the Detroit game, and that continues for, you know, four or five games in a row, then I'm kind of cause for concern. But as constructed, I think, you know, they have so much talent, so much talent. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, one guy who I, I was kind of disappointed in, in terms of his production, but really, proved me wrong on Monday was Miles Sanders. Um, I think he's been, he was probably one of the biggest question marks coming into this season. Um, His productivity was down. I think his, he struggles with his vision, right? I think when he gets in open space, he's a phenomenal runner, but he just has trouble finding that hole. Um, And he had a great night on Monday. I mean, he went for, he had 17 rushes, which is a decent amount of, of, of touches for, for, for a good running back for 80 yards, averaging a little over four yards a carry. And his longest run was 12 yards. I mean, it's not like he broke a 60-yard run and then he got shit on the rest of his runs. Like, he was a consistent, like, four- to five-yard a clip rusher last night. We leaned on him a lot on first and second down. He got the job done, like I was saying in in the last cast, getting us to those third and short situations. Um, Do you think he's a guy that is going to come more into his own this season, or do you think we're going to keep that three-running back committee where we're kind of splitting carries between all of them. Nah, I think it's his year. I mean, look, these guys, when they go on contract years, these athletes, um, you know, it's magical how all of a sudden they just have breakout seasons, take off and then get that big contract and then go down the shitter. So I fully expect Miles Sanders to be a between 800 to 1,000 yards, kind of all-purpose yard type of player. Um, I don't think they're going to rush enough for him to be a 1,000-yard rusher, but – kind of total yards he'll be he'll be at a, probably about a thousand yards probably have five six touchdowns um and be durable for 12 out of the you know or not 12 13 out of the 17 games i'm sure there'll be four games where he'll his hamstring will be tight or his toenail will be clipped a little bit too short but outside of that i mean guy's got all the skills he's explosive um and i expect them to run him right into the ground because they know they're not gonna give him a big contract yeah I mean, that's just the curse of the running back, man. It's like you're you're a job you, you have a job that is putting you in position to get injured a lot. Um, I mean, you're getting you're getting hit by some big fucking dudes all game long. And they're just not gonna pay you that money. I mean, I can't you can't feel that bad for them because they're still making in the millions to to play a game, but when you look at how um how much they put their body in the line compared to other players and how much they get paid. You know, it's like, you're going to pay a guy like Justin Jefferson top dollar and he's going to dance around. He's going to go out of bounds. He's going to go down. He's not going to take those hits where it's like you expect your running back to be pushing for extra yards on every play. So we will see how things turn out. I think Miles Sanders is kind of stuck in Philly. Um, I think we've kind of, almost underperformed him so that he would seem less valuable so we can keep him. Cause like, if you look at his numbers, he's not, 
an elite back. But if you watch him his play, he's got like some. But as an yeah. eagle, his yards per carry are like five and a half in his four years. I think they just do it in a sense, like you're saying, that he either gets hurt or they're like, you know what, let's throttle it down, make it seem like he's not as good as he actually is. Maybe we can get him for a cheap deal. I think this year they're just like, listen, fuck it. Let's just burn him, go for the Super Bowl, and then yeah. kind of let him ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like going back to like the Chip Kelly era in Philly, I think you look at our, our team right now, and I, I kind of like this. It's nobody is greater than the, than the sum of the team. You know what I mean? Like like the individual is not greater than the sum of the parts, right? So it's like you have a guy like Jalen Hurts who's playing unbelievably right now, but it's not like they're they're on him to to make every play, right? Correct. You got a guy like Miles Sanders; he's running the ball well. Our offensive line's blocking well. AJ Brown's playing unbelievably, but it's not like you're it's not like a Rodgers type offense where it's like it's Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and everyone else can go suck a dick. And if we, if those two aren't on the field, we're not going to win. Right there, I, I think the Eagles have done a great job of doing that, like plug and play system, where it's like you go in and do your job, and if you don't want to, we're just going to find the next guy who's going to come in and do it, without um, a doubt. And uh, just listening to Nick Sirianni after the game, right, his mantra to the team is "I am because we are," and I think that's a phenomenal mantra and saying yeah. for a football team. Um, and just understanding, like, no matter what, you're only as good as the sum of your parts. Um, yeah. But touching on the eye, John, I did want to transition for our listeners. It's been a wild week, right? And just today, two big bombshells of former Philly athlete duds came out. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody has gotten the chance to at least – see snippets or pieces of the uh, JJ Reddick podcast where he fucking threw layup cupcakes to Ben Simmons. Cause God knows he can't fucking catch and shoot a hard question one time. Um, and he just had the most absurd responses regarding Philadelphia. Um, why he is justifying that he didn't do the dunk against the Hawks and complaining about the Sixers organization because he had mental health problems. Um, and then, Obviously, Carson Wentz came out and explained how, you know, he was a selfish prick um, and made some mistakes as a teammate, but, you know, yeah, that's, he's that's really what he said. as a person. So, you know, <laughs> speaking about those two guys, kind of touching on their history with Philadelphia, I don't want to go too much into them because I don't fucking care about them. They're not here anymore. And, like, yeah. they're, just, they're just scumbags. But what I did want to do, John, is someone that I do respect, right, is you and, and you obviously you left the city high and dry. You went down to Baltimore, you know, you were a trader for us. I want to get an understanding from your perspective, you know, your experience in Philly. How was that? Um, you know, I, I gotta say, I, I, I will always love Philly. Philly will always be my, my first love. Um, and if anybody who knows me, they know I like to travel. I like being in new places. Um, and I've, I've always enjoyed coming back to Philly as my home. Um, I, I still go back to Philly a frequent amount to see family and still consider it my, my second home. Um, and Baltimore has been really great to me. I know there was some controversy last week um, between some of the Baltimore people that listen to the cast and how we were talking about Ravens fans. Um, that has nothing to do with the city of Baltimore. That had to do with Ravens fans. 
the city of Baltimore has been nothing but great to me. They've accepted me as one of their own. And I love it down here. And it's very similar to Philly, I got to say. It's kind of that blue-collar mentality, you know, like like we work our ass off all week. We like to go to the bar, have a few beers, watch football. You know, it's like that – just the simplicity of life. Um, but unlike Wentz and Ben Simmons, I feel that I left Philly on a high note. Um, oh, good. I feel like I didn't leave Philly with any bad blood. Um, and I still go back and still have a great time. So um, a little different from their situation, but I think I appreciated one of their comments more than the other. Um, okay. Who is that? I would say, and now listen, everybody, everybody and their mother knows that I like Wentz. I think Wentz is a good player. I think he's a misunderstood guy. Right, I think he is, um, he's, he's, he's just simply different. Um, I think his passion for the Lord, Jesus Christ, um, has given him some sort of ambivalence or, or some sort of lack of fear of the natural world. I mean, he just walks around life like it's like every day is Sunday and every day is great. And he gets hit by giant men who are, have the same force as like automobiles and he just gets up smiling. Everything's great. He throws picks. He doesn't care. He gets right back in there and starts slinging it. I kind of appreciate that because it's like you see a guy that's fearless, but in a way that you've never seen before. Like, I don't think we've ever seen anybody like this. The guy just literally loves God so much that he is not afraid of anything because he's like the only thing is God. I mean, like you hear some people say, like, if you have any of you ever seen the viral clip of DeAndre Hopkins tearing deep. I think it was D'Angelo Hall's ACL. I can't remember who the guy is. Um, But he's saying, I fear God. I fear God. I don't think that's as true as like, I don't think anybody has feared God as much as Carson Wentz just because of his lack of fear for everything else in the world. Um, Well, where does, where does stupidity fall in that? You know, like it's all fine and good fearlessness. Right, but at some point, stupidity takes over. I feel like he's surpassed this, the stupid part, and now he's just an idiot. Yeah. Well, no, but that's the thing. It's like I think there's um, there's a difference between being like ignorant and being stupid. It's like I don't think he's ignorant. I don't think he's trying to like spite anybody like Simmons is. I think Simmons like trying to spite people. I think Wentz is just stupid. And like, granted. I'm glad he's not our quarterback. I'm so glad we have Jalen Hurts in the city of Philadelphia. I think he's playing great. But I still think Carson's a good guy, and I want him to win except for when he's playing Philadelphia, which he is this week, Ron. What do you think is going to happen in the game? Well, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little concerned. Um, These games are always close, right? These games are always close. I think the Eagles are on a short week. They're going down on the road. And, you know, they're feeling really good about themselves. We talked about it last week, you know, why I felt like, you know, some of my keys, right? You talk about home or away, right? You talk about if it's an emotional game or a primetime game. Um, and I forget what the fuck my third one was. However, my criteria remains the same. We are going on the road. We got a short week. And we're coming off a really emotional game home opener 
it was really emotional. And I think, oh, the third one was score, right? Greater than seven or less than seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so that game was a blowout, right? The Eagles dominated for four quarters. I'm expecting this to be a field goal game. So my lock of the week, skins plus six and a half. Take the points, wow. take the skins. I think the Eagles should win. However, it's not going to be a touchdown game. I think it's going to be a close game, um, and it's going to be tough. One key factor, I, I think, though, John, uh, there's 15 busloads of Eagles fans leaving South Philly Sunday morning. They matched them up in each end zone. They're splitting them 600 apiece in each end zone, and you know they're going to be loud and proud, booing mm-hmm. Wentz, calling them fucking the most absurd names you can imagine. Um, fire crotch. I mean, I'd be, I hopefully there's some fire crotches out there, um, with their signs up. So I, I think they're going to attack him verbally, verbal abuse. Um, you know, hopefully make him cry and, and make him feel, you know, sensitive in the pocket. Uh, and I think they might have a chance, but it's going to be close. What about you? How you feeling? See, I don't, I don't think as much of the same way. And it goes back to something that you said earlier as you were leaving the game. Is it saying that like, the the vibe of the city and that like it, it radiated from the team into the fans and then into the city that it's like focused that we're not worried about our opponent we're not worried about this is an emotional game it's like we're we're locked in we're we're we we're we're playing football regardless of who we're, is lining up against us right so i think that it should be a pretty decent um a pretty decent victory for us. But I will say something that did concern me about last game was um, our ability to like close out games. Like once we get to a lead, I feel like we kind of stepped off the gas a little early. Um, Whereas like we could have put up 50, 60 points on this team if we would have stayed on pace with where we were in the first half. Um, And I think Carson Wentz, as he showed in week one and week two is a guy that, if you let off the gas, he's still slinging the rock. Like he's, he's going deep in the third and fourth quarter. Um, So I think as, as a team, we need to be able to put our foot on their throats, not take it off and crush them from the first play. If we could do that, we're going to win by a hundred. The only way I see this being a three point game is if we fall asleep for the third quarter and then next thing you know, Carson's got three touchdowns and you're like, when the fuck did this happen? Yeah, no, I, I, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so we both think Eagles are going to win. I yeah. think the way we think they're going to win is a little bit different, but we got the birds winning. Um, mm-hmm. On to the Phillies. I uh, wanted to touch on them real quickly. Um we're going to come out with a little separate interview. Last night's fucking hero. All right. See daddy, big long and, um, you know, top athlete, Episcopal, big time guard. Uh, he was a hell of a football player, great family, made a hell of a catch, electrified the crowd, electrified the crowd yes. last night. It actually sparked the Phillies win. Um, huge comeback against Toronto. They're facing off tonight against the Atlanta Braves. They got an early lead. Huge weekend. John, question for you. All right. Do you think the Phillies will hold on and not collapse this September? It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a really tough question. Um, you would think a team that's putting up eight, nine, ten runs a game should be cruising their way into the playoffs. But, I mean, we gave up more 
points than the Eagles did on Monday. We, we give up 18 runs on Monday. The Eagles give up seven points. Um, and you're never, you're not going to win baseball I think, games. I think that was a, you know, that was just a mirage, you know? No, that it's is, been happening that's since, atypical. since Harper came back and we started this slide. You said this to me, you were like, Oh, Harper's back and we're losing. Like, why the hell are we losing games now? Yeah. Like, it's not Bryce's fault. Our, our offense is cancer? putting up. Is Bryce Harper a team cancer? How? He's not even with the pitchers. Our offense no. has gotten better since he's got back and we're still losing games. I don't know. I think and it's, maybe he's he's just he's just a bad guy, maybe. I don't know. What he's only a cancer to the pitching staff that sits in a different dugout than he does. Listen, I remember back with the Nationals, he got in that fight with Papelbon in the dugout. They choked each other out. Could be something there. I'm just saying. Could be something there. He got in that fight with Papelbon know. because Papelbon was eating dick. He was sucking out there and, and Bryce was like, step your fucking game up. And that's probably not why he's, he's why he's not doing it now, is because he's afraid somebody's gonna fight him. But our pitching wow. staff is fucking horrendous right now. If we're gonna give up, if we're gonna give up over ten runs a game, we might as well just pack our bags and get ready for an early vacation because it's it's not gonna happen. No, I agree. But I got faith. I think they're gonna find a way to get in the playoffs, and they're gonna get fucking dicked in the first round. Um, so finishing up here, got five minutes left on the pod. Uh, wanted to ask you, John, what you have planned for this weekend. And then uh, I'll finish up with, with what I'm doing and, and hopefully be able to keep everybody in tune with that. All right. Well, if you're in the Philly area and you like high school football, you can find me tomorrow, or actually this is going to come out tomorrow. So you can find me tonight at the Episcopal Academy. We're hosting the all saints Episcopal high school from Texas. Um, so big out of state, game big um big time for the eh churchman to prove there will be another minicozy on the field that night shout out michael minicozy left guard defensive ends for the ea churchman um they're right now three you know played some great football they haven't seen they haven't seen the talent that they're gonna see from texas this week but it'll be a great test for them um they have a very talented team they have size and speed so it should be a great game um, if you're in the area, you got nothing better to do. Please come out to the game. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then Sunday, I'm going to be in Baltimore, man. We're, we're going to be we're going to be showing out for the birds and and the and the now commanders um, on, on Sunday here in the city. How about you, Ron? You got anything fun planned? I love that. Yeah, I am going up to Sandusky Land, baby. Tomorrow afternoon, oh, shit. Penn State, the Nittany Lions. Uh, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time going up with Alex and her family. Um, I've never attended a Penn state game as a fan. So I'm embarking on something new, John, I'm embarking on something new. Uh, plan is to get up there about four or five o'clock tomorrow. Going to catch a little girls field hockey, maybe a little girls volleyball. We're going to get some dinner, seven 30, wake up in the lot. All right. Mm-hmm. We got the grills cooking. If anybody's going to be up in Happy Valley, I like to call it Sandusky Land. You know, whatever you prefer. You know, to each it's their because own. Because you're an asshole. To each their own. I'm going up there to Jerry's World, and we're going to get after it. Um, if you're looking for me, I'll be tailgating all day. We're <laughs> we're ripping some good old fashioned breakfast and yeah. eggs on the grill. We got stateside vodka. Shout out stateside. We got five cases today. We're ready to roll. 
Going to go into the game, 12 o'clock. Hopefully they shit on them. Come back out. Got dinner in the parking lot, hot dogs, hamburgers. It's going to be a freaking awesome weekend. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So shout out to the Nittany Lions. I'm looking forward to a great experience up there. Um, at your yeah. World. I will say that if it's, um, if you're a, a player on the um, the field hockey or volleyball team at Penn State, don't be alarmed. Um, Austin's not a creep. His girlfriend is an ex-field hockey player. So he is not going to the game to creep on you. He is being dragged there. Um, but I assume he's going to have a good time. So it'll be fun. Oh, I'm going to have but, a great time. You know, Listen, when you, lead, when you lead with Sandusky and then you talk about going to college girls sports events, it's people – People draw lines that aren't supposed to be drawn. No, he stayed away from the college girls. He went more for the ten-year-olds. So I think we should be all right. All right. From that standpoint. Yeah, you know he's. Yeah. He well he, he he was sticking with the you know Burt Bell League if you know what I mean you know I would say hopefully there. he's he's nowhere near the stadium or any child <laughs> under the age of eighteen. So. No, he's not. He's not up there. Um, I don't know. If is he? he is he in jail? Where is he? I don't know. Do they Epstein him? They, I feel like question. that's a guy who, like, they killed Epstein, who just organized the island. Why don't you kill the guy that was the island? Like, well, how I, was, I think my guess is they prefer him to just get fucked, you know? I mean, you know how those jails yeah. work, right? Like, they probably so it's more call of a torture. Getting, yeah, it's called getting Sandusky, and they just do it to him every day. You know, they just... And they say that. yeah. You know, okay, so San, Sandusky is currently in Laurel Highland State Prison in Pennsylvania, and he's eligible for release in oh. 2042. There's wow. no way he makes it to 2042. He's got to be dead, right? He's well, yeah. I mean, he's he's either going to be dead or, his, or he's going to come out with an asshole this big. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Other. I mean, well, this podcast started off good and then we went into Sandusky land. So hopefully you don't have any more trips to Penn State planned. Um, Listen, morality is at an all time low. Interest rates are at an all time high. (laughs) Our president can't speak. Things are going great. (laughs) Things are going absolutely great. (laughs) Oh, no, dude. Listen, what a time. Well, here's the thing. No matter what happens in your life, I'm talking to the fans right now. No matter what happens in your life, you'll always have Ron. And John will always be here, be here to bring you laughter, bring you sports takes, distract you from what's happening in the real world, you know, fucking a, right? and that's why we do it. We do it for you all. You don't do it for us. We don't do fucking shit for us. We, I mean, nope. before we did this, we would just do this on the phone for hours on end. But now, now we're, we're bringing it, it to you fans. guys. Well, listen, yeah. we got about 10 seconds left. We'll be back after birds win on Monday. Let's fucking rock and roll. Go birds. Go Ron and John. We're fucking out, baby. Go birds, baby. Love you all. Be good.
Good time. 